When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. You know January is all about storage and organization, so today I want to dive into closet organization. I think there might be a few different camps that people fall into when it comes to closets. Number one, You may have a closet in your sewing space that you use for sewing items. So I have one in my space, uh, but for some reason I'm using it to store boxes yet to be unpacked from our move three years ago. (laughs) So maybe this podcast segment is my sign to clean the closet out for more exciting uses. Camp number two, You may share your sewing space with another room in the house, such as a spare bedroom or dining room, and rely on a closet to keep clutter at bay so the spaces are still usable for others. In camp number three, you may not have or need a closet for your sewing hobby. But even so, some of these ideas may spark something that could work in other areas of your home too, so keep listening. First, let's talk about things that all closets have. Rods for hanging items. So you can use pants hangers, especially those designed to hang multiple items of clothing, to hold quilt tops waiting to be quilted, or even large pieces of yardage. And if your pants hangers have clips or clamps, you can use them to hang large cutting mats too. Um, I even have started using those uh, hangers that have the clips to hang some of my smaller quilts, like all my table toppers, my small wall hangings, um, and that has freed up so much space in my closet for, uh, you know, to make more quilts, to fill it with more things. <laughs> and then also acrylic rulers and templates that have holes for hanging can be hooked onto metal rings that either hang around the rod or attach to a hanger. So you can also hang a cloth shoe organizer off the rod. So usually these shoe organizers are skinny um, and they're not designed to hold much weight, uh, but they can be handy to store maybe packages of batting, uh, packages or rolls of fusible and interfacing. Um, It could hold kind of awkward items like maybe embroidery hoops, um, some acrylic templates and their you know, directions on how to use them, and even to help separate works in progress. So with storage season happening in the stores right now, uh, there may be some fun small space and closet storage items like shoe holders that could work for your closet too. So next time you're shopping, check out some of those aisles and maybe something you see will spark an idea. Now, if your closet has shelving, then you know you can easily add stackable containers or bins to store supplies and fabric. 
when you're putting things in the closet, make sure that the things you use most often are easiest to reach. Now, I know that seems obvious, but I don't know how many times that I have stuck things in my closet and I have found an empty space near the back and it is a pain to grab it next time I need it. So if you have the option to make it reachable and easy to grab, do it. So clear containers are really handy because you can easily see what's inside them when you're looking into the closet, um, especially if a closet is dark, there's not much lighting, um, or things are you know, not as easy to reach, having those clear containers can make it easy to spot exactly what you need so you don't have to keep digging through things. Um, but if your containers aren't clear, you can just add a label with you know, a piece of masking tape to make it easy to know what's in each container. And if things change in the future, you can just rip the masking tape off and add another label. So you might also consider adding a little strip light to the inside of your closet in case it's dark and the light from your room doesn't reach well enough to see everything. Um, they also have those little push lights too that are battery operated. So if your closet doesn't have a light or you're finding it hard to see things, consider some easy and cheap lighting. So shelves can hold all sorts of things like books, patterns, uh, maybe things you don't use often like maybe a serger or your extra sewing machines or even die cut systems. And bookends can hold everything upright. Um, but magazine holders or file holders can also hold uh, your items in place too. And what I love about using magazine holders to store things is that it allows an extra aspect of organization. So for example, if I'm storing books or patterns in magazine holders, I can separate them by topic or theme so when I'm looking for a pattern for a certain need, I don't have to look through every book or stand on a step stool to dig through everything. I can just pull one magazine holder off the shelf and take it to my workspace to kind of look through more. So the same could go for using magazine holders to store small templates. So I might have one magazine holder for templates that I use for trimming triangle squares or flying geese. Um, and maybe I have one that I use for um, small blocks or fussy cutting. So you could use them to even separate fusibles and interfacing. So there are a lot of ways you can organize things on a shelf um, and a lot of products to do so. So explore those storage aisles at your local ho home stores to see you know, what you can find. If your closet has room for a small bookcase or shelving unit, um, that can really help expand your storage too. So things like this may work on the bottom of your closet if you don't have too much hanging, um, but you can buy like cheap cube-like storage at home stores or even rolling carts with drawers um, at your local crafts store. Um, I know I have a file folder organizer in my closet that I use just for the drawers <laughs> um, and to help me store some things. So um, this can just help expand storage and could be really useful to store things like fabric, scraps, uh, maybe all of your thread, um, or maybe things like machine parts. And then don't forget the empty space, like wall space. Um, you can add a pegboard to a wall space, even if it's small, it really can make an impact. So this can help keep tools like scissors, 
rotary cutters and other small rulers really handy. Um, and there are a ton of accessories for pegboards. Um, they even have like little small shelves, there's storage bins, um, you know, more than just the normal pegs. So um, you can put a lot of things on a pegboard. Like if you get the shelves or bins, you could keep cans of spray starch or basting spray, um, or you can use the shelves to hold thread or smaller pre-cuts. So there are lots of options. And don't forget the often unused space on the back of your closet door. So a wire rack can hold maybe quilt tops waiting to be finished. Uh, a hook on the door can hang your ironing board out of the way. And an over-the-door hanging system can hold all of your tools. So of course this only works if your closet door swings open. If your door slides, uh, you don't have that option. Um, so hopefully these tips uh, help expand your storage and make the most of a closet system. You know, quilters always seem to need more room for all of the fun fabric and supplies they have. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're talking about the struggles of getting a squared up quilt, and a staff member shares a mistake they made. Welcome back. Now it's time for Ask Us Anything, a segment where we answer our listeners' most pressing quilting questions. So today's question is from Diane Suarez. She says, I'm a new quilter and I just made three small quilts for my great granddaughters. I cut everything carefully and used a quarter inch sewing machine foot, but the quilts weren't square when I finished. How do I make sure my quilt is square? Oh boy, Diane, uh, welcome to the world of quilting. Uh, so many quilters struggle with getting their quilts perfectly square. Um, and honestly, I've given up the struggle. I rarely make a larger quilt that's squared up. Uh, it always seems like one side is just slightly bigger than the other. And the only time I honestly really notice it is when I'm folding a quilt up to be put into storage. Otherwise, when I'm using it on the couch or a bed, I don't notice it. Um, and while it's easier to hide some of these differences in how square your quilt is on larger quilts, um, small quilts, like maybe those baby quilts you just made for your great-granddaughters can show size differences a little more obviously. Uh, but it does sound like you're on the right track to bettering the situation because inaccurate quarter-inch seam allowance and small cutting errors are really big contributors to quilts not being square. So just keep practicing those skills. So using a quarter inch foot with a guide on your machine like you're doing is really helpful. Um, and if cutting accurate pieces is hard, you can try using a die cutting machine to help get more accurate pieces. Um, but in your quilts, there are bound to be some blocks or rows that just don't end up straight or completely square. So you wanna make sure that you're measuring and pressing each block and each unit as you make it to just check its accuracy. So sometimes if a block or a unit doesn't end up the right size or exactly square, um, the, the error might be small enough that you can catch it in the seam allowance and you can fix it that way, but if you're noticing that your units or blocks are turning out all different sizes, 
you may need to do a little bit of seam ripping and re-sewing to make sure everything is as accurate as possible because um, having things the right size and the same size throughout your quilt is one of the biggest secrets to getting your quilt square. So another part of achieving a square quilt is kind of how you trim away that excess of batting and backing after the quilting. So an easy way to kind of fake a square top, even if it's not square, is to pick a seam on your quilt and line it up with your ruler for cutting. So for example, if my quilt has a border, I could line up the border seam with, let's say the three inch ruler line, and then trim away all the excess batting and backing to get a precise three inch border. So doing this on all sides can create the appearance of a perfectly square quilt top, even if there are some piecing errors um, along the way. Um, but the comforting part about quilts that aren't perfectly square is that it's mostly caused due to human error. And that's how people know that things are handmade and they're full of love and they're full of hard work. And I just love giving my quilts a wash. Um, after I made them and having that little shrinkage and crinkle that happen, um, which of course can also cause quilts to become a little uneven, but to me it seems extra cozy. Um, and I would just encourage you to, uh, if you subscribe to any of our magazines, look at the pictures of the quilts in our magazines. So these quilts are sometimes made by some of the you know top designers, um, and when we show the pictures, you'll be surprised when you analyze them a little closer how many of them are not perfectly square. Um, I think it's just what comes along with the quilting process and um, all you can do is keep practicing and kind of keep paying attention to your seam allowance and cutting, but really it's all about enjoying the process and not being too hard on yourself when things don't end up quite perfect. So now I'm handing the mic over to Allison, the designer of Quilts and More magazine, for quilting mistakes I made this month. Take it away, Allison. After finishing a quilt top, we all know that we're supposed to prep it for quilting. Whether you plan on quilting it yourself or sending it off to a long arm quilter, trimming threads feels like one of those necessary but tedious tasks. I have to admit, I've quilted several projects on my home machine where I was just too lazy to trim the threads from the back of my quilt. I thought, I'm the one quilting it, so who cares if the back side of the top is nice and neat? Nobody's gonna know. To this day, I've regretted all the tops that I've thought this about. Sometimes the fabric or threads from raw edges can unravel and end up showing through to the front of the quilt. This has happened to me on several occasions where I've had a dark thread showing through the light background fabric. Once you start quilting, it's really hard to get rid of those threads because you no longer have access to those raw edges. It's not until after you finish quilting and see threads showing through that you realize you should have just taken the time to trim threads beforehand. Depending on the density of the quilting, you can sometimes pick out the loose threads once the project is done. Clover makes a great tool called Soft Touch Thread Pick which is essentially a very tiny crochet hook. By pushing it into the quilt top, you can hook the loose thread and pull it out through the fabric. Speaking from experience, this can be a challenging process, but the time spent getting the thread out is worth it. 
it can be tricky to hook the thread well enough to pull it out and you must be careful not to snag the fabric or batting as you remove the hook. But when it works, it's so satisfying and you'll no longer be staring at that dark thread showing through. To avoid this process altogether, I highly recommend taking the time to trim any loose threads on your project before quilting. Thanks so much, Allison. I've definitely had that experience too, so it is a great reminder to all of us to just take that extra step of trimming your threads to get great results. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing tips for thrifty sewing as well as storage products we love. Welcome back. I'm handing the mic over to Joanna, the editor of Quilts and More magazine, for Sew Thrifty, a segment where we explore money-saving tricks for your sewing life. Take it away, Joanna. You might remember that last month I shared five tips for how to be so thrifty outside of your sewing room by using your scraps and leftover notions to solve problems in other areas of the house. Brainstorming different ways to use up your sewing items was so much fun that I ended up with way more ideas than I could use for that list. So today I'm back with part two, five more ways that you can be so thrifty around the house using items and leftovers from your sewing room. Let's dive right into the list. Number one, first, don't forget your furry friends. If you have long scraps that can be cut into strips, you can easily braid them together to make rope dog toys. I like to start by making several smaller braids, then braiding the braids together. You end up with a really nice rope. You can tie them together or use some leftover thread to sew the ends together for a stronger hold. This is good for heavier chewers. The rope toy should even be washable when you're done. Speaking of dogs, you can stuff batting scraps and fabric scraps into pillowcases to make pet beds. These also work for cats. I didn't forget our friends with cats. Many animal shelters request these simple beds for donations, so they're a great way to give back to your community. Number two, make yourself some scrappy curtains if you need to block out some light from a room or to make a temporary door in a shared space like an apartment basically making a partition. These curtains can be as simple as squares pieced together. Measure how wide the window is and then add some inches because when you put the curtains on the rod you'll have some folds. I like to add about 10 inches for my curtains but it depends on how gathered you want them to be. Figure out how long you want the finished curtains to end up and then double it so you can fold the piece in half. That way, all of your seams will be hidden on the inside. Finally, add fabric tabs at the top or buy some snap-on grommets, which are available at many craft stores, so that you can thread the curtains on the rod. It's cheaper than buying new curtains, and your curtains will end up in prints and colors that you know you love since you've already selected them for previous projects. If you don't have a curtain rod, a tension rod will also work really well for these simple curtain projects. Number three, speaking of apartments, one of the trickier aspects of apartment living is that many leases do not allow you to make holes in the walls with nails. If you have dull sewing machine needles or even strong sewing pins, you can often use these to hang things on walls without leaving large holes behind like a nail would. 
Of course, you should always read through your lease carefully before attempting this to make sure it's allowed. And we do not recommend that you do anything that would violate your contract. You should also make sure that the item you are hanging is light enough that the needle will be able to support its weight. Number four, I know that the holidays are over, but I'm sure you still have birthday, new baby, and wedding presents to wrap throughout the year. Save on gift wrap by sewing up simple bags using small amounts or even scraps of fabric. There are tons of simple bag projects out there, from drawstring pouches to basic totes. The fabric bags will save you from having to buy gift wrap that will often get tossed after opening, and the recipient will basically get two presents in one since they can use the bag and whatever goodies you place inside of it. I especially love to wrap gifts in tote bags for my more eco-conscious friends. I find they really appreciate the extra sustainability of it. And number five, finally, I know that we're in winter right now. But I can't help looking forward to spring, especially since here there's snow on the ground. If you're a machine quilter and have any quilting gloves that aren't in great shape, set them aside to use as gardening gloves once the weather warms up. This tip actually goes two ways. You can use cheaper gardening gloves for your quilting. I prefer actual quilting gloves for my quilting because I find they grip the fabric better, but I have used dollar store gardening gloves in a pinch and they do work. They're just honestly not quite as good. You can also use old quilting gloves for things like household projects and DIY projects where you need some light protection for your hands. Of course, safety matters, so if you're doing something more heavy-duty, make sure that you have adequate protection for your hands. Just keep in mind that if you do decide to use a pair of quilting gloves somewhere else, you're probably not going to be able to use them again for quilting. They're going to get dirty, and you don't want that on your fabric. So there are my five additional ways to use your quilting items around the house. I'm going to use some of these myself as I work on tidying up and organizing things as I prepare for some deep cleaning this spring. We'd love to hear some of your favorite uses for your sewing items around your own house. Feel free to share them with us. Thanks so much, Joanna. So Joanna mentioned that this list was part two um, so you can hear part one on episode 538 of this podcast. So if you missed that episode, go back and check it out. Now it's time for What We Are Loving, where we share products we are obsessed with now. And since it's January, we wanted to share some organizational items for your sewing room. So first is the Ruler app. So this is a 23 by four and a fourth inch wooden rack that has six slots to hold rulers and templates. So it also has this handy galvanized bucket that you can use to hold all of your cutting tools too. Um, but the bucket is removable, so I think it would be fun to use it to throw all of your fabric scraps into while you're cutting. And then when the bucket is full, you can just take it out and dump it in the trash and put it right back into your wooden rack. The next product um, is called Slap and Wrap Peels. Do you all remember those slap bracelets from the 90s? Um, I was in school during that time and I remember we all had those and they were so big. Um, but these slap and wrap peels 
remind me so much of those bracelets. So they have the same shape, uh, they work in the same way, so you can slap them around a variety of supplies to keep things neat and tidy, like spools of thread, rolls of fusible and interfacing, your binding strips, power cords, basically any kind of skinny thing that you need contained and held tight. Um, so it comes in a package of 12 wraps in a variety of colors, so you can use them for different things. Um, and I just think they're fun to play with. Besides the fact that they're useful, they're fun. <laughs> so this next project is called Summit Storage Boxes. And these are seven inch square plastic containers. And they feature a variety of colorful quilt block designs on the cover. So these boxes are stackable. Um, they can be used to store works in progress, thread, other notions. Um, and because they're only seven inch square, kind of that smaller size, they travel really easily. So they're great for bringing along handwork projects or packing things up for retreats. And they seem to be adding more quilt block designs every time I check. So there's a fun variety available. So next is a book called Handmade Happiness, and this is from authors Gina Barney and Lori Woods. So this book features 20 small projects for sewing space decor, um, and some of the projects are pin cushions, needle cases, a sewing caddy, storage pouches, um, and they feature embellishments like English paper piecing, some have wool applique, some have hand embroidery, which are optional, so you can kind of jazz up your different um, sewing room decor how you like. Um, I just love the variety of projects, and I think it's such a fun way to kind of personalize your sewing space with handmade storage uh, and sew things using just fabrics you love. So I love all things post-it notes, everything Post-it brand makes, and I found this, um, they call it Post-it Labeling and Cover-Up Tape at an office supply store, and it's my new obsession. So you can use it to label storage bins, um, containers of UFOs, you can write down helpful notes um, and stick it to your sewing machine or notes on a pattern, and this tape is white, it is one inch wide, and it is removable. So it makes it so easy to just write down notes, label things, and it's not permanent. Um, and it comes in a standard tape dispenser. So what more could you really ask for for easily labeling things? And the last product I'm sharing is one I have been patiently waiting to hit the market. So it was supposed to come out back in 2020, but you know, there were shipping delays and manufacturing delays. Um, and basically after stalking the website for months and months, uh, it is finally here. So it's the We Are Memory Keepers storage project cart. It's a 20 by 30 by 13 inch rolling cart with six removable trays to help you store your works in progress. So you can use the trays to store fabrics, assembled blocks, patterns, um, any specialty notions for your projects, um, one on each portable tray. 
um, and then just remove the tray to bring it to your workspace when you're ready to start sewing. Um, and I've even seen people use the trays to store templates and rulers because sometimes those are hard to organize so sometimes just having one tray for all of your templates can work pretty well. Um, but it's amazing and I love it. So we'll link to all of these products in our show notes so that you can shop for any if you're feeling inspired. And I just wanted to say I've gotten a few questions recently about how to even find it the show notes that I mentioned. So I wanted to explain a little bit more. So the show notes is a page on our website where we post wrap-ups for each episode. So these include the show's topics, links to any products or websites we've talked about, um, pictures, and other helpful resources. And then we list the URL for the show notes in each episode description. So wherever you're listening into the podcast, click to read more about the episode and toward the bottom, they will, there will be a link that you can click on. Um, but you can also visit our website at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast and you can find all of the past show notes there. So if it's easier for you to just bookmark that page on our website and visit it each week, that's totally fine too. And you can always email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com if you have other questions or comments. I love hearing from all of you. So that's it for today's show. Everyone have a great week.